morning, Chuck. Hey, good morning. Nice to have you back. How you been? Busy. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I know a lot of stuff going on, but yeah. You're, are you guys in the house yet? Yeah, yeah, we're doing all right. We're nice. You know, yeah, there's still so many boxes, but we're getting there. Things are getting oh, settled. I know it takes a lot to get settled into a new house. Yeah, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're in though and moving yeah. moving towards uh, normalcy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just sending some invites out. Morning, Kelly. Morning, Mark. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Okay, I'm just adding a few more here. Inviting a few more people in while we're waiting for others to join. Jackie, I sent you an invite. Uh, feel free to join us on the stage if you'd like. We'd love to have you. All right. 9.30. Let's go ahead and get things going here. So uh, welcome to the Learning to Lead Clubhouse. Uh, we meet every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. I'm Tamara White and I'm here with Kelly White. We're your co-hosts for this uh, forum. And we designed this forum as a place where leaders of all levels and um, with all different types of diversity and experience and perspectives and what, what they've, uh, their journeys, everybody's journey is different. Um, we're here that we invite everyone here basically to come and, and share uh, group wisdom and, and to uh, share practical tips and whatnot. So that was what the reason why we really created this clubhouse uh, for everybody to come together and to uh, talk about everything leadership. <clears throat> Um, so whether you're entry level or whether you're seasoned, um, this is a place where we can support one another. And uh, um, I have a couple of little housekeeping things here real quick. So we really encourage you to uh, follow the Learning to Lead Clubhouse. There's a little greenhouse icon at the top. And you can just click on that. Also, follow others in the room because it's a great place to grow your network of like-minded leaders. Also, um, you can share the group with those who follow you or you're connected to here on um, Clubhouse by clicking that arrow uh, down at the bottom. And if you get it out there, then people can come join this uh, great conversation today. Um, you can com you can communicate with us a couple of different ways. You can either just direct message us or on Instagram. Uh, you can also, there's some chat features at the bottom as well. We encourage you to use that. And um, also, we do record these sessions and we also summarize our discussions and post those on our Substack website, which we'd love you to subscribe to. 
and also on LinkedIn. So um, thank you again for joining us on a Saturday morning. Uh, you're here, you're investing in yourself and you're investing in others. Grab a cup of coffee or a drink of your choice. And I will turn the mic over to Kelly so we get this thing going. Fantastic. Thank you, Tamara. Um, yeah, and I love I love doing the recaps. I love sharing resources. So as we have a conversation today and I'm pulling together all the conversations from, from our live discussion um, and other resources that come up throughout the discussion, you know, so things come up that you're interested in or you think others would benefit from, please send them through and I'll be happy to include them. As well as, of course, we always uh, give a shout out that if you have a topic that you'd like us to to dig into, you know, more than happy to take those both live as well as you can use the chat or you can message us um, on any of the forums, be it here or, or LinkedIn. So with that, I always like to do the reminder that reflection is really important as we talk about being leaders and growing as leaders. A lot of that practice, I think, really comes down to first understanding who we are, right? Driving self-awareness. And as we talk about even the discussion for today, what we're really doing is now kind of adding and expanding the tools that we have to use and better understand how we can expand our skill sets. But it really first starts with really understanding ourselves and practicing that self-awareness and reflection. So as I love to do when we kind of kick off our day is that reminder of starting to keep track of and spend just a moment, even if it's once a week, asking yourself how your week went. And we like to do that by using one word that summarizes how your week went. Um, and hopefully you're kind of starting to keep track of this or build this into a regular practice for yourself and maybe even expand it to your team. Um, something that we talk a lot about in one-on-one -on -one structures and reviews is the, again, that check-in process of not only how the work is going and what, we're, what, we're, what our output might be, but how we are doing as individuals, how we are feeling, how we're performing, but also what we might need, where we might need more support. And some of that means just even connection with each other. So with that, I'm gonna round table and I would love to hear how your week went. And I'll start with Chuck. Hey, um, pretty good. I would say today I'm tired and just dealing with some um, back issues and and so forth, but um, but uh, kind of chill. So um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, hopefully you at the weekend now you can rest and recover, but I'm glad to hear it was a chill week. I think we can all relate with the tiring weeks, but uh, hopefully your next time we speak to you next week, your back will be feeling much better. Mark, good morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to go with anxious. It's been a very anxious week for me. Um, a lot of stuff going on at work. Um, you know, fun, some fun stuff going on at home, but, uh, overall the anxiety level is definitely up. Um, hoping to get that under control this next week as, uh, I think things are going to finally start to fall into place. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. We'll be wishing you good luck and hopefully the next week, um, does start to reduce some of that anxiety, but yes, we've all been there. And I think it's, you know, again, I'll give the shout out that. You know, we often do word of the week and it's great when the words are super positive, right? But the reality is that not every week is super positive. Other things happen, right? Challenging things happen, anxiety inducing things happen. So it's just a good reminder that there is no right or wrong answer. And this is part of why we do reflection and why we do kind of self-awareness practices. Tamson, good morning. Good morning. I'm my work, my week was busy, but I'm going to go with relaxed because it's very, very hot in the Northeast. And, you know, I'm just going to chill for the weekend. I'm going to follow Chuck's lead on that. I like it. Enjoy. It's uh, it's hot in a different way, I'm sure, 
in California, but I can relate. There's a lot of indoor um, staying in the cool areas and relaxing. Gary, good morning. Good morning. I think mine's going to be meetings. I did a very poor job of managing my calendar this week and was in back-to-back meetings pretty much every day for way more than eight hours. Sorry, my dog's being very loud. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, but yes, Gary, we can uh, we can absolutely relate with that one as well. So hopefully, again, you also get some some uh, mental rest as well, coming out of a very a very busy uh, busy week of meetings, and maybe get back to some more some more balance around that. I always look at that as a moment of where do we need to recalibrate, where do we need to rebalance, and go into the following week with some of those intentions. Absolutely. Chad, good morning. You just joined. We're doing word of the week. Morning, morning. Uh, I'll say happy. I'm just happy and content and things are going well. Great to hear that. Wonderful. Glad that you are in positive spirits and had a happy week. Love, love to hear that. Tamara. Well, this week, my uh, I was on vacation with family, so I'm going to choose family. I had a fantastic time down at DL, spending the week, spending the week with the, with the mouse. And uh, although it was absolutely packed and it was hot, and I think I walked like 20,000 steps each day, I uh, had a fabulous time. It was just wonderful. Really always enjoy spending time with my family, and I, and I absolutely love Disneyland. So we had a great time. Super glad to hear that. Um, I think if I round out, I would say uh, my week, I guess I would use the word productive. I could use a lot of different words. Um, it was equally incredibly tiring. We, I've, I've mentioned a few times that I was planning for the past about three to four weeks, a big summit where we brought together a bunch of different individuals across our company to kick off a really, really big project that's really complex and has a lot of dependencies and requires a lot of collaboration. And so prep was challenging for it and a lot of work. I had a wonderful team of people helping, but this was the week last week of, of actually making it happen and running a summit. And it's incredibly um, tiring if anybody's ever participated in a summit of sorts, anybody who's ever facilitated a summit, it's, uh, it's incredibly mentally draining, um, even though it's incredibly productive. And I, I think it was very successful, but I would say by Thursday, I was definitely mentally exhausted. By Friday, I was probably toast. So I'm looking forward to a weekend of not having to do anything strenuous, anything challenging, re, you know, rejuvenating, re- resting, relaxing, um, and going into a, an equally busy week next week, but, but taking a minute to just um, celebrate the victories of the team and, and move on to the following week. So highly productive, even if it was tiring. Um, so I'm going to jump in now to the topic today. And as, as many folks that know have been joining us over the last few weeks, we are really doing a deep dive into the book, The Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And this is a continuation of that series. And so kind of as we dig into the concepts covered in the book, I think it opens up and continues to open a lot of conversation topics for us. Again, you know, back to some of my opening comments about you know, we as leaders, what does it mean to invest in yourself as a leader? What does it mean to add, you know, more, you know, perception and perspective on who you are, how you're operating, where you want to adjust, but also, you know, understanding again, just a few additional tools in your toolbox that you can use both for yourself, but also in, in teaching your teams. So today we're really going to talk about, I think a really, really important topic for, for leaders, you know, Decision-making is so important as leaders. We have to 
be able to provide clarity and direction for our teams. And we talked a lot about leadership styles and the different types of leadership styles. And, you know, there are some styles where it's a little bit more, you know, um, laissez-faire, where it might be a little more figured out yourself. There might be democratic, which might air much more towards self-organized, which can be great in a lot of ways, but can also be equally challenging when teams, you know, at some point want to have a clarity of what we do and where we're going to move forward and how we're going to move past discussion and into action. So the topic today is really interesting because it really digs into the topic of thinking about decision-making and thinking about the opposite of decision-making, which is complementary in some ways, but thinking about really being a, de a debate maker. So as we think about multipliers being about expansion, about challenging teams, about tapping into the best of an individual or a team, and diminishers being much more focused on potentially self and self-worth, self-growth, and not always really focused on growing and challenging talent to the, the best of their ability. We've kind of looked through both of these lenses now to think, you know, diminishers air towards really being decision makers and multipliers really air towards being debate makers. So today we're going to dig into kind of what this actually means. And I think a lot of it will be pretty familiar in a lot of ways to probably many of you, but, you know, we'll have a discussion about kind of what resonates and what doesn't, or, you know, and the practicality is how do you embody more of a debate maker style that could really lean into this idea of being a multiplier and really tapping into your talent and unlocking your talent. Before I get into all of that, I do want to pause since we've been talking the last few weeks about the multiplier effect and the different traits associated with that. I want to pause and just ask if anybody had, you know, anything that's happened over the last week or the last couple of weeks that, you know, may have related to the topics we've been talking about that you want to share, you know, something that maybe stood out to you, positive or negative or a learning that you said, hey, I actually saw this happening and it connected this concept back to a much more you know, real way for me in a tangible way, but I'm happy to, you know, again, open the floor and see if there's anything that stood out, anything that resonated or anything that you kind of really learned as we, as you kind of went about even last, your last week or previous weeks that may feel like really connected to this idea of a multiplier effect. It, and I was going to just mention too, I think Gary, you mentioned it's something about being in meetings all week and, you know, kind of how that sometimes meetings, you know, when you're in meetings all day long, it just takes away from your ability to really be out there working with people or, you know, uh, you know, just, just, uh, it's, it's basically the interference, right. Which takes us away from really being able to be you know, in our full potential and doing something that's really meaningful. Oftentimes me meetings are full of, you know, wasted space or, you know, content that could be sent by emails and stuff. I was just curious to hear if there was anything that really came up for you when you were in those meetings all day. Um, good, good question. Um, they all seem a blur now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it felt like a very unproductive week to me, to be honest. Um, it, it really did. So no, nothing, nothing really to share on that front. Well, we've all been there too, where it, I, I completely relate. And, and sometimes it's really hard when you look back 
and you start to ask yourself, what was I doing and what was the value, right? And it could be really frustrating when you're like, I feel like I was just in a bunch of meetings and like you said, like, uh, what was, was it really productive or not? Um, and it's a moment of just even to say, okay, maybe there were some moments in there or maybe the big learning was what you mentioned at the top of the, the meeting about, you know, the discussion about this is really much more about where do you need to refocus and recalibrate your time? So I'm going to continue in um, just to keep us going on this, but always a good reminder, again, if things come up or things are connecting, you know, happy to share, you know, open the floor to, to hear what, what's resonating with you. But as we go through this, I will pause, you know, several times throughout the discussion um, after we introduce some of the concepts, you know, to ground on what we're talking about here. And then would love to hear, you know, your perspective, both on maybe how you as a leader embody some of these traits um, on both sides, right? Because remember, this is not about black or white, good or bad. This is about understanding, you know, how we show up in the world, how we interact, how we show up as leaders, and how we can be more aware of, of what and how and when we are showing up, right? So that we can, again, continue to hone our craft as a leader and then teach others around us. So I'm going to first just jump in and start to introduce much more about what this means, this idea of a decision maker versus a debate maker. So as I mentioned, you know, how we make decisions as leaders is really, really important. Um, and a big part of that is really how we are leveraging and engaging the people and resources around us. How is it expanding our point of view? How are we welcoming more perspectives to make really well-informed decisions? And this is where, you know, things like inclusion become really important. You know, when we think about at a very shorthand, you know, diminishers versus multipliers, you know, diminishers really can be about and tend to err towards, you know, making decisions on their own as an individual. And multipliers are really about engaging people and bringing more people into the discussion, hearing more perspectives and welcoming those perspectives and probably challenging those perspectives too. So when we think about the value of a debate, you know, a debate is really about assembling the right kind of players into a team, the right, the aspect of right meaning a variety of talent, a variety of perspective, of knowledge, of experience that can bring together a very wide breadth of perspectives and experience to have a conversation, to really engage the group on, you know, really evidence-based discussions, leaning into what they know, challenging different perspectives, and really help drive ultimately a highly informed process for decision-making. So when we think about it at a very top line, you know, as I mentioned, you know, diminishers sometimes fall into much more of this, this category or this action of decision-making. You know, they really can sometimes go into this category of thinking that only a few people are worth listening to. They profess an open door policy, but spend a lot of time actually with the closed door and closed door meetings. And maybe they only go to one or two highly influential advisors. They patronize people by asking them for their opinions, but then they make decisions privately without sharing. When the stakes are at their highest, they rely on their own knowledge or a very close inner circle of people to make a decision. Now, debate makers on the opposite side are, again, a different perspective. They assume that with enough good minds on it, we can figure it out. They focus on gaining knowledge from what others know. They're interested in every relevant insight that anyone can offer. They approach decisions by bringing people together to discover what they know. They challenge and stretch what people know and their thinking through collective dialogue and debate. They pull together brain power, harnessing this knowledge by involving people, by challenging that, having everybody speak up and show their perspective, even if they're in conflict. They lead rigorous debates for decisions that are at the consequence that really is about 
pushing forward and challenging and looking at issues and focusing on hard facts and really trying to depersonalize the decision. It's going to be a big theme for the conversation today. This is about stepping back, all of us removing our personal entrenched you know, aspect of something and making decisions with facts, but also welcoming those different perspectives. And they make an organization ultimately smarter over time, creating an organization that will really, you know, ex- can effectively execute on the decision made because so many more people were involved and they understand why and where and how that decision was made. So I will pause here. I would love to know kind of reactions just at the top of this. And, and I'll share, you know, at least like my immediate reaction in, in prepping and looking at the materials for this week that, you know, when I read the list and kind of share what, what a decision maker or a diminisher in this, ca- in this you know, category really does, a lot of those are ultimately very familiar to me as a leader. And there have been times where, you know, when the stakes are high, I have seen myself air towards really, you know, tightening up the circle and trying to make a clear decision. And I think there's times when that's very necessary. You know, I've also really kind of struck me at a core was this moment of, you know, I do have a couple of people that I really trust as advisors. And again, I don't see this as being a completely negative, stop doing this and do this instead. But it was a really good moment for me to remember that as a leader, and as I continue to grow as a leader, I have the opportunity to expand and actually welcome and make the time for really healthy, rigorous debates that involve a lot more individuals and that continue to expand the perspectives and knowledge and expertise that are contributing to those decisions. So that was one of the aha moments for me in reading this as a great reminder that I take away to how I think about those moments and times of making a decision, but where I can make more time and more room to have what we kind of call here as the debate in, in getting the decision, which we'll go much deeper into. But I'll pause. I would love to hear if anyone else had other reactions or thoughts in just hearing about the difference between a decision maker versus a debate maker. I think one of the things I struggle with in my broad organization with our old leader he used to encourage debates, but he would never drive the decisions through those debates. And they always seem to be open-ended. And then the leadership team would all leave with different ideas on how things should be done. And they all had their own goals, so nobody ever agreed. So that forced me to become more of a decision maker because the overall organization itself wasn't gelling together to to actually make those decisions because as i said each leader had their own goals and nobody really wanted to work towards the uh the, the key team goals I, I think we've got a new leader now and i'm i'm hoping that that will all change but uh that's one of the things i struggle with it, it tended to force me into just being that decision maker um just to get things done yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's kind of uh, almost what you're describing is somewhat cultural. I've, I've experienced similar things in many of the jobs that I've been in as well. And I think part of, you know, as we go through this conversation is that you kind of have to operate at a high level of consciousness on any day. Like we talked about awareness to really kind of observe, number one, the, the, the um, um, team conversations or the pseudo for, at this point debate uh, conversations you're having and how those are actually being run. And then also challenging your, uh, you know, ourselves as leaders 
how do we do this in in a more effective way where we are drawing people in and we are pulling out the full the full potential now now i when i when i heard this or when i was, when i was, you know contemplating this i think it's it's not always about pulling the entire team together it's pulling the right people together because not everybody can contribute and not everybody's going to come really well prepared with with data and and something to back up their their um you know their their perspective and and we'll hear more about that as we go on but uh those are some of the things that came to mind for me yeah that you're spot on Tamara, because that's that's what i was going to contribute i've uh, in the organization i'm in now i i struggle quite a bit because there are a number of people that might sit at the table that don't really know how to debate uh and i'm struggling with it because uh, or, you know, trying to articulate it out because they do contribute and they're subject matter experts in some cases, but they're looking for a decision, right? There are people that just look for somebody to, to take that lead. But then, you know, there are other individuals that are willing to have a debate, even if it's not in their immediate, you know, area. And those are the people that I naturally seek out of like, okay, let's try to figure out the right thing to do. But I, I often find myself in the current organization of people just can somebody just make a decision and, you know, so we can just run with it and, and, and get our jobs done. And, and those, I don't know, I get kind of sad when I find myself in too many of those things. Cause I don't know if we're put, putting out the best product or not in those cases. Yeah. It, it's interesting. You talked about that because the other thing I would add to that is it's about like, you know, culturally, again, you know, it's cultural, you know, people, you have to have an environment where people feel safe to, voice what their opinions are and again you know you want to teach them to come prepared you know have have your your data have your backup have your evidence right but you know it's about and and again it's not going to happen in every situation but i think what comes to surface for me when i hear you say that and i've seen it myself is just that you know people may not feel they may feel, not feel comfortable being vulnerable or or speaking up but they're fearful that you know people are going to think they're they're stupid or you know the old fake it till you make it type thing so then then the challenge becomes how do we as leader teach our teams to to debate how to debate how to prepare yourself but then again right you got the interference which is where am i going to find the time to do this but again it, it it's really about intentional leadership which is challenging us to figure that out as leaders every day Yeah, this is a, a great discussion and it's actually a really fantastic segue into the next kind of portion of this discussion, which is, you know, the practices of a debate maker. And I think it's it's starting to, you know, understand and I think it's a really important concept of, of this discussion too, what a lot of folks have raised already about, you know, when and how, right? When do you do this? And again, I think I'm gonna go back and reinforce that, you know, it's not about either or. It's not about, oh, if I, I don't want to be the decision maker because that's the administrator and that's bad. I, I want to be the debate maker always because that's the multiplier and that's good. You know, it's really about, you know, when, and I think to Gary, your point, right, when do we need to make decisions? So we don't just get into the point where, again, it's far more, hey, go self-organize and there's no clarity of decisions and then that, that creates a lot of, you know, conflict, but it can also create a lot of lag and slow down within teams. And again, um, there's a lot of, you know, power and, and I think it's very necessary for leaders to make decisions. But, you know, one of the things I want to hit on in, in, in this section that we have next is, you know, how do we start to do this? You know, even to the point where, you know, maybe a culture has not fostered, you know, the idea of debates and dialogue and discussion because it just hasn't been something that's been supported. Um, 
you know, and then being able to understand, I think where Mark, you're going about, you know, where your teams are in that and, and where they might need to be invested in more potentially to get there or understand that they're not going to get there. And that's a, that's a different conversation, right? And understanding where, where your team members are as individuals and what each one of them need in addition to what the team needs. So the three practices that we'll kind of go through here for, you know, really being a debate maker, which I think will start to hit on how you start to do this and foster this um, within your culture is we'll start with framing the issue. We'll go into sparking the debate. And then we'll go into driving a sound decision. So again, what you'll see in this is that there is a point in time where we do have to drive decision. We have to communicate that decision. This is not just about having debate and hoping that we just re reach a conclusion and everybody walks away with that clarity. It's really about also making sure that we're reinforcing the decision as a leader. So what does it mean to frame the issue? So framing the issue, really, you know, the, the secret to a great decision for a leader is you know, actually making sure that as a leader, we're preparing, right? And we know how to start a debate and we're really framing what we're trying to go after, right? It's great to, you know, to really lean into, and I think multiplier is very much being about this debate, this idea of engaging and challenging talent, but we have to debate and challenge for a purpose. We have to know where we're going, what we want out of that debate, and what we want out of the people that are involved. This is not just a debate for the sake of debating, not to just to sit around and you know, have, have these dialogues that have no purpose, no value, nor outcome. So when we think about really how do you successfully frame a debate is first clearly define the problem or issue that is trying, we're trying to address. You know, form an important and provocative question, not just any question, but the right one, the one that's gonna help us actually get to solving a problem pull in the right team. Tamara hit on this. This is not just about bring your entire organization together. You know, you might not have the right expertise in the room. You might not have the right perspectives in the room. So really think about who you're bringing together that's going to be able to actually solve this problem. Frame the discussion in a way that everyone can contribute and they know where to focus. Avoid debating the topic rather than the questions. This is a really, really big one, right? We wanna make sure that we are focusing the teams towards solving a problem and using our questions to help focus them. What we don't wanna do is start having what would be very much a term in, in tech and development world of scope creep, but we don't wanna to start to expand the debate so large and so wide outside of what we're trying to actually accomplish that it starts to become unproductive. Ask everyone for their best thinking. The teams that come together and make the soundest decisions come through with a actual thought out point of view and evidence to support it. And they have come in with a clear position on what they think so that we can actually have a meaningful dialogue. So I think this is also really important that as we're framing a debate, we're also making sure that everyone is coming together prepared to have that debate. So this is really important in thinking about readiness and the role of a leader in preparing a team for a productive debate. Um, we know that the debate really has to be focused on facts and try to err away from opinions. This is really hard because sometimes we might be trying to solve a really big or challenging problem and we don't have all the facts, right? It can be really hard. And sometimes I know where I work many times, you know, and I've used the language where I say, this is the opinion of one, this is the opinion of me. And so there's a challenge of like also asking yourself, what are you bringing forward an opinion based, just, you know, a, you know, thought versus a fact-based thought and how you can walk the line between the two of those, but to the, the extent that we can, always err towards facts, data, evidence that helps support, right? And this can be really hard 
even with a lot of big companies where tribal knowledge becomes really important and people go with their gut versus really trying to pull the facts and data to help support that. Resist as a leader the temptation to jump in and start debating. This is really important as we talk a lot about in previous uh, sessions as well, we really wanna create space, right? We wanna, we wanna put the question out there. We wanna focus the team, bring the right people together and then give them the space to have some really healthy conversations and debates about what we should be doing to solve this problem and not jump in too soon and start to solve. And also understand that our voices, especially as leaders, as we increase in influence, we're going to have louder voices by the nature of who we are. So making sure that we're creating space for our team members to contribute and we're engaging everyone to be a part of that conversation. We also wanna give people the time to prepare. As I said before, when we ask someone to come in and have a debate and to solve a really hard problem, we don't wanna ask them to do that and do that really quickly with no time to prepare because what's gonna happen, they're gonna come in with opinions. They're gonna come in with their, their gut. They're gonna come in with their tribal knowledge and that's where they're gonna be driving their debate from. We want them to assemble their thinking. We want them to be thoughtful about what they're bringing forward and make sure that they have facts and evidence and data to help support that. And really, really important, we wanna make sure that we're removing emotion from the discussion. This is not about taking things personally. This is not about you're right, I'm wrong. So we really wanna make sure that we set a clear tone and even potentially kind of rules of engagement where we try to, as much as possible, remove the emotion from the conversation and focus really on the problem that we're trying to solve or the issue that we're trying to solve collectively. And I'm gonna hit on a few, a few kind of questions that you can start to ask, and then I'm gonna open it to the room. I would love to hear your thoughts, you know, not only on maybe some of your reaction to this, but maybe have you used some of the principles that are being talked about here. So if I hit on the questions, you know, start first with the what. What is the decision to be made and what are we choosing between? Develop a well-defined question, one with clear and often mutually exclusive options, right? The why. Why is this an important question for us to answer? Why does it warrant collective input and debate? And what happens if it's not addressed? Who? Who will be involved in making the decision and who will give input? How? How will the final decision be made? Is it going to be by consensus? Is it going to be by the leader making the decision with the input and recommendations? So as you think about a, from a leadership perspective, framing and focusing our teams towards a direction to frame the problem, fra frame the challenge that we're going to put forward to our team, some of these questions help you prepare your thinking, help prepare your team when you're going to ask them to come into this debate and give them room that they can come in and successfully and prepared um, come and be prepared to have that conversation and have that debate in the more, most constructive way possible because they know they're coming in with facts, evidence, and data, not just pure um, opinions, which might err much more towards it becoming an emotional conversation. So there's a lot of information. I'll pause there. I would love to hear reactions. And again, if there's things that maybe you have used in your past or things that stood out to you when you think about this idea of starting this kind of debate practice by framing a, a question or a problem. I'll jump in and, and just talk about one experience that we did. I think it was to help um, lay a foundation for making um, technical decisions within a previous organization I was with. Um, and um, we basically we saw a presentation at one of our internal events about someone who put together an architecture decision record. And so um, first we set up um, like weekly meetings, technical conversations. 
uh, for tech leads to get together. And then with the architecture decision record, we had a framework um, for stating the problem, um, identifying like potential opportunities to solve it, set up experiments, um, and then come, you know, go through those experiments, compare the data, then come back and make a decision. And then, um, and then the, the, the decision record was an artifact, right? Cause we knew like, you know, down the road, potentially something may change. Um, but we've had a dot, we had it documented, you know, here's what happened. Here's the data. Here's why we chose this path. Um, so that, you know, we could better understand like how we got to this particular situation, you know, down the road. Um, it really helped a lot of clarity. And then in the conversations, what I would notice is that, you know, we'd have like debate conversations and then eventually what happened was engineers would say, okay, I think we need to make this a decision record. Here's okay. Let's take the next steps to move this forward. I love that Chuck. Um, I was, I'll share also an experience. I was, uh, I, I was part of a large, large group that was opening a new hospital and um, it's, it's, there's not a lot of, um, well, there is. We, we, we had weekly meetings as well. And so it gave people the adequate time to um, prepare for each week that we had conversations because we were looking at, you know, regulatory impact, operational needs, administrative. We were looking at HR. We're also looking at competition and how are we, you know, how are we comparing ourselves to and staying competitive and um, and it was really a, a very diverse group, great conversations, lots of data coming into the conversation, but really well-informed decisions. It was just a really um, beautiful dance to watch, you know, watching all these people come together and really put together, like I say, a hospital and, and you know, have this, have this, this hospital be competitive, have it, you know, have quality service, you know, and looking at safety, all the uh, other aspects. It was just a very unique experience, but again, a beautiful dance to watch these people um, go through the debating process and make really well-informed decisions. Yeah, great examples on both parts. And again, I think something that we probably like most things that we talk about here you know, have seen in practice in different ways. And now we may just be framing it with a different lens or we might be naming it and labeling a little bit more so that as we see it happening in the future, we kind of understand this is what's actually going on, right? When we're sitting in a meeting and this is happening naturally, you might go, okay, great. Like I understand now what what's going on here and I can better understand, um, you know, the structure that's being introduced here, both at how I show up as a leader, but also how a team dynamic might be forming. So I'm going to move on into the second part of this, or the second practice that we can we can leverage, which is we have we have framed you know the topic and the debate, right? We've prepared ourselves as leaders, we've prepared our teams to be successful. Now we're going to spark the debate. So this is really now where we bring together the teams. They've had time to assemble, time to think, time to prepare, and now they're going to actually start to have this debate. And we want to think about through this through the kind of four elements of what a great debate can be. One, it's engaging. The question is compelling and it's important to everyone involved. It's comprehensive. The right information is shared to generate a holistic and collective understanding of the issue at hand. It's fact-based. Again, back to the, the point of not being emotional, not opinion-based. It's fact-based. The, the debate is deeply rooted in fact, not opinion. And it's educational. When people leave the debate, they are more focused on what they learned than what they won or lost. And again, this is really important because we've seen, and I know that I have seen situations where a debate is sparked 
but it ends up either into what you know Gary said, where it just never really reaches a conclusion unless somebody comes in and makes the decision because the leader's not making the decision, you know, or it becomes incredibly personal and emotionally charged. And that's when it starts to feel uncomfortable and people don't want to be a part of it because it starts to feel toxic or destructive. So we want to make sure that we're really, again, preparing, but we're setting really healthy boundaries for how we can successfully debate and challenge each other and really come out of the room feeling like we came together as a team and learned something, not I won that debate or lost it. And that's a really, I think, important difference here. So I love this concept as we think about a multiplier. When a multiplier is leading a debate, they really lean in these two aspects, yin and yang. So the yin aspect is what I kind of just started to hit on. Create safety for the best thinking. Remove the fears and the factors that cause people to doubt themselves or not feel safe to speak up. It really causes them to hold back. So the multiplier leader really wants to make sure it's a safe environment. And I think it's really important that this also is a point of where safety is included, that as leaders, we have a really high degree of influence. So it's really important that we refrain from speaking up or sharing our point of view too early because it will immediately influence those around us. And it may actually diminish um, others feeling empowered to speak up. And I think, you know, as you're maybe changing the culture of your team, this is a really important one because you will carry a lot of influence. And not everyone may feel safe disagreeing with you early on. Over time, you can absolutely create an environment where people can feel safe to do that. But we have to kind of go and get in with that self-awareness that if we're not there yet, we can immediately stifle conversation if we speak up too soon or interject too soon. Make sure that everyone is, I love this concept, right? Like wearing a seatbelt because they're about to put their foot on the accelerator. So everybody kind of like gear up and get ready, like lean in. We're going to be moving really fast and we're going to push ourselves really hard and challenge ourselves. But this is really about, again, safety, but maintaining the pressure towards having a rigorous debate that's reality-based, fact-based, and evidence-based. So the other side of this is the yang, right? And it's starting to that last point, push us into demanding rigor. So we're asking, challenge, asking questions that challenge conventional thinking. We're gonna really push everyone to think about us and challenge the assumptions that might be holding us back. What is holding us back? What's innate, what's the prevailing logic? We talked about that a little bit last week. We wanna challenge our team to think harder and dig deeper. Ask for evidence if there's no facts, if it's just an opinion, an anecdote, ask for evidence ask for facts, challenge thinking around what might just be someone's gut perspective versus what's really might be going on and challenge that perspective. Pursue all sides of an issue. This is really, really important. We want to make sure that we're not just hearing one point of view and just keep staying with that. It's really healthy for us to challenge. Even if we might agree with that point of view, challenge the opposite point of view. What do we learn by doing that? If the group moves too quickly towards agreement, ask someone to argue another point of view. This is, I think, a really, really important challenge, even for us as leaders. It can be really uncomfortable for us to go toward in opposition of what we might think is the right direction. But especially in the space of having a constructive debate, we should always ask ourselves, now argue the opposite of your point of view. What might you learn? What might you uncover by challenging both yourself and your teams to think from a very opposing point of view? and really making sure that we're asking ourselves to think about the switch and what that might feel like and what you might again uncover. Help the team see that issue, right, from a different perspective. I think this again, not only uncovers so much, but I think as we talk about really the conclusion being coming out of a room, 
feeling like we made a decision and we reached consensus and that it wasn't about that I lost the debate and somebody else won. This is this challenging from different perspectives helps us actually have deeper understanding and empathy for others to understand different perspectives, to widen our lens, to learn to argue against yourself, not just others, and find alternatives to elicit the best ideas. And I think this is a really, again, important way for us to start to move out of what I think sometimes the perception of a debate, when you use that word, is it can inherently feel like it's about conflict and it's about arguments. These are the ways that we actually shift it much more into a safe space and a productive space for us to learn and grow together. And it takes the emotionally charged aspect out of play and starts to shift the perspective. So I'm going to pause there on this one too, because I think this is a really interesting concept, but you know, the roles that we can play and how we can start to create, again, a safe environment while still challenging each other and ourselves you know, to, to think differently, challenge our rigor and challenge our point of view and perspectives. Any immediate reactions before I handle or go into the last last practice? You know, one thing I, I just want to kind of add to this too is that I think sometimes it it can be challenging also when you have intangible things you need to debate. And in healthcare, which I'm in, you know, there are things that are simply intangible. And I don't know if anyone else has ever, you know, had to really talk about those intangibles where you don't always have a lot of data, you know, like hypothetically uh, patient satisfaction. I mean, you can have, you can, there are, there is some data there, but some of it can be intangible. And so I think that's sometimes where the challenge can, can come up in certain industries. Um, just, just those are things that came up for me. Um, and I love this yin and yang thing. I really like the way that they, that the author had, had put that piece together. Um, yeah, I think those are my thoughts for now. All right, I know we're throwing a lot of information at you all on a Saturday morning. So I'm gonna move us through to the last piece. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, I'll, I'll hit a little bit on the diminisher approach to debate so we can, again, understand all the different inputs here. And then we'll close out on a few takeaways that you can do and you think about really framing, you know, how to embody some of the things that we're talking about. So the last practice that, that I want to cover, and again, very relevant, right? We don't, we don't want to just rush into a debate, right? That, that will not bring people together that are well-informed. We, we don't want to also get to a point where we don't make any decisions, right? There has to be clarity on the other side of it. So this last step is drive a sound decision. So, you know, really what we want to make sure as leaders is now we've had this healthy debate, you know, everybody's challenged perspectives. They thought from different point of views and, and argued against themselves. And they've come to a conclusion that was really based on facts and decisions and the best approach to move forward. So now we as leaders is where we, we, we step in, right? We have to summarize the ideas and outcomes. What are we trying to solve? And what have we heard? And what have we discussed? We're going to be sharing the next steps in the decision-making process. Ask questions. You know, are we making a decision now? Do we need more information? You know, do we think that the team decision or, you know, do we need to, you know, as a leader, make a, make a final call? You know, is there, is there not a consensus? Do we need to step in and make a decision and provide that clarity? If a team made a decision or we reached some consensus, you know, we have to make sure we understand how to resolve differing views, right? We bring our team together. You know, has anything surfaced during the debate that altered the decision-making process? So as we think about the outcomes of this debate, you know, we want to make sure that coming out of a healthy and productive debate, 
there is a sense of closure that our team has to be sure that this wasn't a waste of time, that we didn't come together and spend, you know, a period of time together debating with each other only to, you know, not reach a decision and not know what we're doing going forward. You know, we have to make sure that not only are we ensuring that everybody has clarity and closure, but also this is about setting the framework that now as we go forward into future decisions, that teams will want to embrace this culture and embrace this practice of having these conversations and being involved in the decision-making process. So we want to make sure that as we're creating that sense of closure, we're helping to ensure that there is a decision. We're leveraging the collective thinking and evidence, the benefits, you know, of, you know, purposeful and rigorous debate as a business case, as momentum for building and executing on a decision. And we're relentlessly seeking those points of views and perspectives to inform that decision. But it's really important, again, I'm going to go back to the closure piece that, you know, looking at it from a leader's perspective to see where have we landed? You know, do we have consensus? Are there still differing points of view? How do we provide that closure, that next step and that clarity that a decision's being made, that we're recapping what we're going to be doing now as an outcome and that we're moving forward. So the next time we enter a debate, everybody understands the value of showing up and leaning in and challenging each other so that we again can reach the best decision, which is really gonna be inclusive of a lot of evidence, a lot of perspective um, and a lot of knowledge across our teams and teaching them how to have these healthy debates to drive their equally their own decision-making process. And I'll hit really quickly again, like it's important for us to know when we think about this aspect of a debate maker, again, it's not either or, but if I, if I step back and, and kind of bring back the diminisher, right? So think about the diminisher being somebody who usually is a solo decision maker um, and thinking about them really erring much more towards a top town, probably approach it if I use that language for a decision maker, you know, some of the attributes to be aware of, right? In thinking about the diminisher approach to be aware of in ourselves is diminishers tend to raise issues abruptly and they bring people into these conversations and issues without framing you know, what we're trying to solve or giving people the time to prepare for a debate or a decision, they focus much more on the what instead of the how and why of a decision. They dominate the discussion, right? We talk a lot about creating space. The diminisher approach sometimes can step in way too soon and focus on their own ideas and perspectives, and they don't promote debate. And they sometimes force a decision. They make a decision based on their opinions. They can shortcut a debate by driving closure really rapidly, and they focus much more on efficiency and fast decisions than really welcoming more perspectives. They often can sometimes err towards leaving people in the dark of not understanding the decision or the assumptions or what happened or led up to or fed into that decision. And they don't really seek to complement talent or intelligence or information available to them. Now, Again, there's no black or white here, and there's no right or right, wrong way to do these things. But it's important to know that sometimes we may have to make fast decisions, and sometimes we may not have time to bring a lot of different people together or bring our teams together and make decisions. But it's really important to the extent that we are able to, I believe, and a lot of reading through this and preparing and kind of seeing the materials for this week, is that it is definitely to the benefit of ourselves, of our teams, and of our companies that we're in that we do try to create space as much as possible to have debates, because not only is it going to, I believe, help us make better decisions, it is actually going to, if we think about the multiplier effect, help us really build the highest performing teams, invest in our talent. If you think about a talent magnet, right, welcoming the best talent 
and really unleashing and challenging and growing the best talent. And that's done through welcoming their perspectives and challenging their thinking in these debates versus us always just making the decisions ourselves and telling our teams what we're going to do without a lot of involvement themselves. I'm gonna pause there. Um, would love to hear immediate reactions and then we have about 10 minutes left. We'll close out with some of the, the high level on how you could be a, a, a debate maker and some of the key takeaways that you can take into the next week for yourselves. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear some thoughts or advice of what happens when the leader or some of the leaders aren't debate makers. And that's really where we need to be in a, like for a larger group or a larger initiative type of decision. How can you influence that type of leadership, you know, I guess in the meeting, uh, you can always have a side conversation, um, but like in the meeting, what might be some techniques to help get the debate going? I guess, I guess one of the things I would say, uh, I, I'm curious, Mark, what would you do? I'm just curious what types of things come to mind as you, you know, all these conversations we had. Um, I always just love your insights. I mean, what types of things might you try as a leader? I don't know. I, I mean, the situation I'm thinking of, I, I, you know, the danger I personally may run into is being the naysayer, right? Is that if everybody is just going this way because, you know, the decision maker is kind of going this way and I'm bringing up an alternate point of view, I, I can be painted as the naysayer here or the disruptor. Right. And it's uh, and it's not my intent as I'm trying to force the debate to make sure that we've looked at things from all angles. And so there's some personal capital that might be, you know, at risk. And I guess there's a balance of reading the room as well. And so, again, if the culture is, OK, go with the lead, it doesn't really foster that environment. So that's where I'm kind of asking is like, what are ways to be able to foster that environment of asking the questions? And maybe it's well, the, way that the nature or the way that you ask the questions might be a way of doing it. Well, I think the way you just said it was was well said is that, you know, if you're and again, you know, you have to read from my perspective, reading the room is really important. And again, you have to you know, you're, you're going to have to go with your instincts, your intuition in, in some situations is, is, is this going to be taken the wrong way? Are these, you know, what are the, what is the MO of these people that I'm with in the room? Some may just be that their MO is, I don't want to hear anybody else's opinion. They're just commanding leaders. They're diminishers. There's no open discussion, you know, but I, but my thoughts are that, you know, maybe throwing out there, if it's conducive, like, you know, something more evidence-based, like, you know, maybe we should look at some, you know, more evidence around this just to make sure we're making a sound decision or, you know, asking questions that are more like kind of open into that way, which kind of challenges people to think a little bit differently. But I agree with you, you know, because I've been in, I've been in situations where I've been in, in, in sometimes even in meetings where I'll bring up something and try to bring it up in a very diplomatic way. And it just kind of falls flat. Like these people don't really want to have a conversation about it. And, and I find myself feeling the same way at times, but I'm, yeah, I'm, it's, uh, I, I think it's probably a lot about what you said about like just knowing whether these people are going to be open to it and following your gut. But also I think kind of, kind of trying to get outside of, of your own comfort, 
level, you know, and, and being willing to take that risk because, you know, those, um, oh, you, what was the term you used? Uh, oh, shoot. Um, the disruptor. I think being a disruptor can be very, very highly effective as well. You know, not to be too afraid to be the, or, or too fearful of, of your reputation. But at the same time, I do understand where you're coming from, Mark. You know, you don't want to like damage your own relationship or your own reputation as a leader. Yeah, no, I've, I, that, that has been a double-edged sword for me, you know, being the disruptor, you know, and it, it just depends in the circles. Cause uh, again, I, I talk about political capital and that's maybe a subject all by itself, but, you know, certainly in the organization I'm in, whether people acknowledge it or not, that political capital um, is, is unfortunately uh, valuable. And uh, it's not a flat organization. It's very hierarchical. So, you, ha- you know, I have to be careful myself um, about how much disruption because, um, and, and again, this goes back to other leadership topics that we've, we've discussed, um, where I've got to let people make their mistakes uh, and support them when we need to regroup and, and move forward, right? But like in this specific topic of, you know, the debate versus the decision maker, I just, there's a lot more decision making where we really should be having more debate. And that's the part I struggle with is like, how do we turn the organization to be more debate uh, or at least debate in the right places? I mean, I, I definitely own where I have to be the decision maker. And I said it very early on in the conversation, but um, I, I struggle because, uh, you know, at the senior executive level, there's a lot of decision making instead of the debate. Yeah, I would just chime in, I think I and I think, you know, Tamara, Tamara said it well, and, and Mark, not surprisingly, I, I completely relate to exactly what you're saying. And I think it's it's hard to in certain settings, if the if the if the culture um, is is not welcoming to a debate, and you're the one person in the room trying to foster a debate, it can very very quickly become that you are just you know the the naysayer in the room, the Debbie Downer in the room, right? That that I've seen that happen, and it's a very very real uh, consideration and risk. I would say to what Tamara said, you know, I think if it's if it's a situation where there's another leader in the room, right? So so it's a maybe a peer or a senior leader in a different part of the organization. I think one thing you can do is definitely framing of questions. So instead of you know how asking a question that might be in a safe environment more challenging and asking people to think from a different point of view, I think there are some open-ended questions that can be asked about, hey, do we understand this or have we looked at this? Or what 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 would it happen if we did X, Y, or Z? And I think framing can help a lot to to start to feel like you've at least spoken up and maybe try to challenge um, to test the waters, but not put it put it so far out there that you're in a situation where it's going to become, you know, maybe detrimental as you think about you know your position or or you know who you are in that room. Now the the other part of that, of course, is where you have where you have way more control and influence is with your own team. Right. And I think we always talk about start start with your your own kind of team first, you know, and, and be the best that those that team can be and the potential influence that that can have on the larger organization that sometimes can be really hard to quantify, but can have a really, you know, massive impact on influencing the larger culture. So, you know, within your own team, you can obviously and even if you bring other teams in where you're facilitating as a leader a decision that is being driven based on debate, you can start to demonstrate what it looks like to have healthy debate in a very safe way that is about, you know, us reaching the best conclusions and challenging each other. And that can start to influence, even if it is slow influence, you know, other parts of the organization. 
Great advice. Thank you, Kelly. And and I'm and I'm curious. Uh, hey, Chuck, uh, any any thoughts about or advice that you might give a leader who's uh, in this situation from your coaching perspective? No, I mean I, I think a lot of the topics or a lot of the conversation touched on some things that I was thinking of as well. Like I think Kelly mentioned, you know, wh where do you have the most influence? Um, and I think you know certainly with your team, um, that's a great place to start. Um, and then shape the kind of patterns of behavior that you want to see, you know, potentially, um, you know, from those leaders. And and you can sort of, um, um, I, you know, I guess sort of report up through, you know, like the success of implementing some of those things to try to, you know, I, I guess sort of manage, manage upwards. Um, that would be, I mean, that's the first thing that sort of pops to mind. And, and I just want to add one more thing, uh, Mark, that I, you know, Kelly and I have been having some conversations about recently, too, is is sometimes, you know, if depending on how the outcome of whatever, you know, might be going on, decisions that might be being made, you know, sometimes maybe it, it doesn't turn out the way that the leaders hoped it would have. And one of the things we've been talking a lot about as well is just kind of think of the back end of that, too, like the deep, if it, like trying to promote debrief, like can we talk about like, what could we have done differently? How might we have come to a different conclusion? Sometimes you can go in a back window is my point um, around influencing them to maybe approach it in a different way, or maybe bringing up the whole idea of like creating a more of a debate maker decision-making process. That's another kind of uh, different strategic way of thinking about how you might get, um, get different buy-in from these guys or from your leaders, leadership team. Wonderful. Great discussion. We have about a minute left. So I'm going to close us out um, with Tamara so that we can make sure y'all can go about your Saturday. But thank you so much for, you know, great question mark. And again, it's, these are complex topics. And it's great for us to unpack and have some conversation and learn from each other on how we might solve you know, some of these challenges. But I'll, I'll kind of go through a couple different items here and then we'll close out, which is, you know, you know, how to become a debate maker, you know, make a debate, lead a debate, ask hard questions. Ask for evidence, really, really important. Make sure that we're really arming ourselves with data and evidence and facts. Ask everyone, make sure you're engaging everyone at the table. Ask people to switch positions, argue against themselves and see what they might learn and how they might expand. And really make sure that at the end of it, we're communicating the decision-making process. How are we making a decision and what are the outcomes and next steps that will come from having a healthy and productive debate? And again, as leaders, we can have very strong opinions, but we can also facilitate debates to bring everyone to the room and bring everyone's perspective to the table. You leveraging data as key. And it really is important that, you know, debate makers get really comfortable with, you know, being a part of the debate and then being the decision maker. It's really important that we're just, we're not the consensus driven leaders here. We're just waiting for them to self-form. We have to make those decisions and rigorous debates don't break down the team. It actually builds them up and makes them stronger. And so as you go into next week, notice how others are leading and making decisions. Pay attention to what you're seeing happening around you. Observe team members. Are they engaging? Are they invested in the decision-making process that's impacting them? And reflect on how and when you are engaging others in decision-making. Just be aware of it, see it, and acknowledge it, and understand why as you evaluate where it's time to be a decision-maker or when it's time to be a debate-maker. With that, I'll pass it to Tamara to close us out with a quote. Okay, great. Um, all right. So um, 
the quote I have today is from Tim Ferriss, and it's success can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations we are willing to have and by the number of uncomfortable actions that we're willing to take. Kind of dovetails it right into what you said, Mark. So hopefully everybody will have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate the rigorous uh, conversation, the questions, uh, asking, you know, tell, sharing challenges. And we'll be back next week at 930 to 1030 Pacific Standard Time. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank you.